0: this is the rock and roll autopsy podcast all right i'm gonna zap her again charge up the paddles
1: come on let's go let's go sorry don't Hold the compressions. Clear. Straight line.
0: Good evening and welcome to Rock and Roll Autopsy. We are the Forensic Files on your radio dial. My name is Scott, and if we got a great show for you tonight, no, we don't. The phone is ringing. It's the request line again. All right, let's pick it up. WRNRA, East of the Rockies. Hey, breather, what's going on, man? You've had it with being stepped on and pushed around? Yeah, I hear you. I think we're all growing tired of being held back by the man. What do you mean you'd rather be stepped on by the man than listen to our amateur asses interrupt and step on each other in our shitty podcast? Listen, you called the request line. Is there a song you'd like us to perform an autopsy on? I said, <laughs> These boots are made for walking by Nancy Sinatra. You got it. All right, buckle up, gang. The subject of our rock and roll autopsy tonight will be These Boots Are Made For Walking by genetic lottery winner and sultry folk rock crooner Nancy Sinatra. We'll get the show started after these very important messages from our sponsors.
1: Wake up in the morning and slap around the brazen. Wake up in the morning, there's a crackle in your face. Wake up in the morning, there's a pop that really says rice. This is for you and you and you. We're on the milk and listen. The stand that says it's nice. We're on the milk and listen. To the crackle of that rice. Get up in the morning, the pop that says it's nice. Hear them talking crisp. Rice Krispies. Breaking news! garbage you're watching i want to watch the news this is the news
0: all right gang we've got our intrepid rock and roll beat reporter rico jennings on the line seven time silver sow award winner and winner of the 1983 akron ohio Soap Box derby rico welcome to the program how are you
1: fantastic How's things over in your neck of the woods
0: oh my gosh dude i'm in for some rock and roll news well
1: let's start off with this one um did you know that the rolling stones are being sued for copyright infringement what's up with that Yeah, so um, this gentleman named Sergio Garcia Fernandez, who performs under the name of angel slang, claims that uh, the Rolling Stones uh, ripped off two of his songs called uh, So Sorry and Seed of God um, for their song Living in a Ghost Town. Now, have you had a chance to listen to any of this? If not, I completely understand. I have
0: not. I saw the A to B uh, thing in the article, and I have not listened. I have
1: not A-B'd them. I, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I just listened to, not too long ago, a little bit of So Sorry, and a little bit of Living in a, living in a Ghost Town. Not going to lie, dude. They sound they sound quite similar to each other. This guy claims that he, uh, he gave a demo CD of the songs to members of Jagger's family and that they use the 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 art on the disc in order to put that into some of theirs i'm not gonna lie it sounds kind of similar i know this kind of stuff has happened before um i I would like to think that you know jagger and richards at all have been around long enough to know that if they tried to do something like this it's probably not going to go like you would have, you know, 40, 50 years ago you rip somebody off, you pay a little bit of a fine, it's no big deal if you even are caught. Nowadays, there's no way you're getting away with this. There's just, there's just, you see what I'm saying here? I don't understand why they would do this if they're even doing it. I don't know if this is a cash grab, but the songs do sound kind of similar and the guy did say he dropped a CD off to them. Um, it, they've done it before. It
0: happened in the 90s. They right. put out a record called uh, Bridges to Babylon, and it had a song on it called I think it was called a- Anyone Seen My Baby? Has anyone seen my baby or something to that effect? Some back of a milk carton kind of title. And uh, it turns out that it was a Katie Lang song, I believe. Yep. And uh, they ended up paying a little bit of money for ripping off. I believe it was Katie Lang. So there's relatively recent history of song thievery from the rolling stones
1: i mean these guys have enough of a catalog that they really don't need to even make any more new albums and we'll get to that in a minute but they could just do they could tour well into their hundreds which they're going to anyways just off of their stuff that they've art. they don't even need to make any new music but my point is if you're making a new album and you've been around for 60 years and if you are ripping this guy off just don't make the album just don't make it you don't even need to because yeah you have plenty of material that you don't even need to make a new album
0: anymore see what i'm saying oh it's a great point yeah i totally get what you're saying like why bother no one is clamoring for new rolling stones music we have 60 years worth do they have to do, is their catalog not big enough to where they have to rip other people off to have enough material? Or do they have to tour and make records for an additional 60 years to have a catalog large enough to simply have and live off of their own
1: material? So the who, Roger and Roger, just kind of goes along with that. Roger Daltrey, uh, and this came out of Ultimate Guitar, by the way, that other Rolling Stone came out of uh, Louder Sound. So an uh, article out of Ultimate Guitar, Roger Daltrey was commenting on the fact that he doesn't see, um, he was discussing whether or not they ought to be making any more new music. And and his comment was, and I'm going to quote, just so I make sure I get it right. He says, what's the point? What's the point of record? What's the point of re- records? We released, we meaning the who, released an album four years ago um, and it did nothing. It's a great album too, but there isn't any interest out there for new music these days. People want to hear old music. I don't know why, but that's the fact. We've got quite a lot of young people in our audience these days. It's quite interesting that they're picking up on our music, but record companies, they just don't do the same job they used to. So...
0: When Roger Daltrey looks out into the crowd and sees young people, what does he say? Like fifty and sixty year olds?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's seeing he's seeing like Gen Xers, our age that 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 were born just as they were at the peak of their careers, right? I so, mean, it's relative, right? <laughs> right. Those like shit, they're not much farther. They're not a whole lot younger than the Stones at this point, right? No, they're they're, close they're to- in their seventies, right? Yes, yes. And but they're taking they've taken the opposite approach of the rolling stones apparently allegedly where what's the point of making new music because nobody wants to hear that from us nobody cares about new music from rolling do you know the only person who cares about rolling stones new album you you're probably the only person me i would listen to it totally yeah right so you might be and the who the who not as not as that has not had the career success that the Stones are, certainly nobody cares about anything new that they put out. Although I really like The Who, but they've got like two or three albums way back that are the albums that anybody really cares about. So he's absolutely right. He, they should definitely not be making any more music. So what do you think the issue is? Young people are really willing to listen to this music, but record companies still... Are not on board in the same way. Do you have any thoughts on that at all? No, nah, I mean, I think he's kind of off
0: base with that take. I think he's just kind of looking for the fact. I think it's just they're, they are firmly ensconced in nostalgia band territory, which means, you know, Paul Stanley made a comment about this back when the uh, Kiss put out, they put out too late. Career albums. I think it was called Sonic Boom, and then the other one was called Monster. I listened to Monster recently for the first time. I had avoided it forever. I thought it was really good. I was surprised. But Paul made a comment of like, why do we put out records? People go to the show, they want to hear Deuce, they want to hear Strutter, they want to hear Detroit Rock City. Why are we putting out records? And uh D. Snyder said the same thing about Twisted Sister that there's really no reason for bands of a certain vintage to put out new music because the fans are not buying tickets to hear a new Who song. They want to hear, you know, Baba O'Reilly. They want to hear Won't Get Fooled Again. They want to hear, you know, Rain on Me or what have you. Uh, so Pinball Wizard, you know, they just. That's just you get to a certain point in your career and that's what that's what people want to hear because your audience ages to a point where they just want to wallow in nostalgia. Now, hardcore music fans like us, you know, we're always going to be down for a new song. You know, it may not. It will probably never love it as much as we do the albums that we hold, you know, near and dear, but we'll give it a shot. But most folks, man, they're just content to pay their three hundred fifty dollars for their
1: ticket and just hear the same songs (laughs) they've heard for 40 years, you know. So what's the cutoff for bands that are firmly in nostalgiaville versus okay to put new music because like when did for example i know they're a, a younger band by about a decade or so but but you know in the grand scheme of things you know 50 years versus 40 years but red hot chili peppers they put out they put out some new albums i listened to one of the two so far that you've recommended it's fantastic I it's love fucking it. great man yeah it's amazing and uh, so what what what's the cutoff between you're firmly ensconced in nostalgiaville versus it's okay to still put out new music
0: well it's kind of funny isn't it because some bands have a fan base that have a different appetite it's like look at rush i mean rush was putting out relative music the entire length of their career right Their fans were there. They're day one buyers of anything they put out. You know what I mean? The fans live for that band, right? So sometimes bands just have this fan base that, you know, isn't giving up on them or willing to let go. And then the band is meeting the challenge of putting out material that's consistent and relevant and vibrant and has something to say. I don't know, man. I'm thinking I need to go spin this Who record from four years ago and see what Roger Daltrey's so salty about, you know? Um, I don't know. It's an interesting question. What is the cutoff? When does a band transition from relevancy to an audience to just firmly ensconced in nostalgia land? I don't know, man. I mean, I think you have to be live. I think you have to be willing to play and promote a good slice of whatever record you have out at that time. Or, you know, too many times you go and you look at a set list and a band is just playing the same shit, right? I don't know, man. That's a good question. I don't have a good answer.
1: Uh, Well, just for point of reference on that Who album, uh, it peaked in the UK charts at number three when it got released in 2019, making the bands, and this is out of the article, making it the band's highest charting record in the country in almost 40 years. So it's not a bad album. Yeah, and you know, his frame of reference... doesn't matter, though.
0: But his frame of reference might be from an era when albums actually sold... He might be looking at the even though in mo- by modern standards it might have sold well, but he might be looking at things from a dated perspective where you were really shifting units, you know, and now things are measured in however the hell they measure them, streams or I don't know clicks right. or bits or who knows, but you know. Anyway, what else is going on in the news, Rico? All
1: right, so we got one more. Uh, so uh, a, a few days ago, Rolling Stone put together a group of headbangers. Uh, they didn't really define um, these group of people. They just say, the group of headbangers that Rolling Stone gathered to rank the 100 greatest heavy metal songs of all time debated the merits of more than 300 worthy songs over several months. These people included writers and critics who have been writing for Rolling Stone for decades and contributors to... contributors metal focused publications so they came up with the 100 greatest heavy metal songs of all time do we have time to do all 100 probably not do we have time to do <laughs> the top t- five or ten maybe let's go top five You want? i mean
0: we could five? do a whole episode just bah, bah, breaking this list down but oh um, yeah nice.
1: let's look at the top five what the hell uh, Alright, so just for frame of reference, the top 10, the the most recent song in the top 10 is number 8, Slayer, Raining in Blood, 1986. That is the most recent song in the top 10, is a song that is 37 years old. Okay, so just keep that in mind. So number 5, War Pigs, Black Sabbath, 1970 is the fifth best heavy metal song war pigs number four breaking the law judas priest 1980 that's a 42 43 year old song 1980 breaking the law judas priest number three ace of spades motorhead 1980 number two master of puppets another one from 1986 so you've got the two most recent songs are 1986 number one what do you think number one is did you look at the list you probably looked at it already right I did. It's right under my thumb. The yeah. number one is.
0: Would you like me to do the honors? Drum roll. Go ahead. Thank you. It's the title track off of Black Sabbath's debut album, simply
1: titled Black Sabbath. Correct, though. Um, do I, <laughs> do you? This is. And I, I love all. I love all of these songs, but this genre of music is firmly entrenched in your wheelhouse and i know you probably have a half a
0: thought on this right i mean okay so i got this list and i got kind of excited and i and i hate pretty much everything rolling stone does for the record but this is pure (laughs) just clickbait goodness they even make (laughs) you like toggle through they got them broken up like in 20s right so they make you toggle through like five pages to get through the whole Mm -hmm. list right so it's just right it's meant to keep you engaged for multiple you know and the suspense is juicy right yeah but i mean you are stuck on the rolling stone website for a good 90 minutes if you're going to get through this list (laughs) so um but one thing i noticed when looking at it rico is just off the rip i realized i am and as much as i try to pretend i'm not this much of a musical knucklehead I am a dyed-in-the-wool headbanger because I think I got through 60 of these songs before I found what I hadn't heard I mean <laughs> I I mean I was like so if heavy metal music is like the music of Neanderthals and idiots I am as empty between the ears as they come because I I know and love all these songs I mean if you're looking for me to quibble with the list I mean I see pretty much everybody represented i mean is there you know do i wish they'd have put more deep cuts in there sure it seems like they go for obvious tracks in a lot of instances whereas true metal heads listen to the whole record and have an affinity for songs no one else ever hears on the records but um but yeah i mean top five I'm not going to argue with any of these. I mean, I'm not going to have, I mean, maybe the Judas Priest, Judas Priest has songs I like way better than Breaking the Law, and it reminds me of Beavis and Butthead, but the rest of the list, you got a couple Sabbath songs, you got Metallica, you got Motorhead, you got Judas Priest. It's all there, man. It's all fucking there. I mean, I I have no
1: argument with this thing at all. What do you, what does it mean when four of the top 10 are Ozzy songs? yeah man i mean you get
0: ozzy solo and sabbath represented multiple times um it means ozzy is the prince of darkness he's he's, (laughs) his his role in the creation of and continuation of heavy metal is it is hall of fame worthy he's worth in spite of the fact that he's a musical dunderhead who's had everybody else writing every melody and lyric he ever uttered and has surrounded himself with Amazing talent to help carry water for Ozzy Osbourne. It doesn't change the fact that he was there, you know,
1: but the difference (laughs) with him, even if they have to prop him up with fucking scaffolding, he will stand on that stage and with Alzheimer's in a broken neck and still sing all of his own music without backing tracks amen yeah, that's brother. true that's true I will
0: say this though you were you were kind of putzing around it as you merrily rattled rattled off the uh, the dates on these songs and how fucking old they all are and it was something else I saw in comments on other websites about this list is that there's only a couple of songs in the entire 100 that even came out in the last 25 years so mm-hmm. Um, It speaks to a couple of things. It speaks to the fact that heavy metal was a legitimate movement of music that had a rise and a fall. Um, It had eras, it had wild success, it had an era when it was proto metal, um, and it has the era it's in now, which is just, I wouldn't necessarily say decline, but it's certainly gone underground and it's fragmented into a million weird genres, right? So it's it's hard to kind of wrap your mind around it now, but I don't know, man. So it's just another indicator that you and I are on the right track in cataloging and analyzing the death of rock and roll because we're, the Rolling Stone magazine, the most boomer magazine ever putting out a list of the 100 greatest heavy metal songs and they can't get out of it i mean they they can't find anything more recent than you know in the last 10 years it's all
1: it's all old uh, shit i i can't agree with you more which is precisely why both of you listeners out there need to force all of your music friends to listen to us because we are the most relevant podcast in america right now with regard to rock and roll music so there is zero excuse oh
0: Oh, good for you
1: so we're going to take a quick break and on the flip side we're going to talk about what might be the very first girl power song of all time so stay tuned
0: the original iron man returns Ozfest is back let me hear you say. featuring ozzy osborne Motley Crew, yeah. plus Halford, Black label Society, and more coming to a city near you. One, I get Ozfest. No, the way don't make me. I don't get local ticket information at livenation.com. We are gathered here to remember rock and roll. Rock was born, the rambunctious son of country western and blues. In the year of our Lord, 1955. On this day, the birth of rock and roll, gifted under the world a gyrating pelvis, a throbbing beat, and a pulsating rhythm. A sound so infectious and rollicking that it would endow previously scrupulous young minds with identity, individualism, and purpose thus setting forth a multi-generational pursuit of all that is loud debaucherous and unholy but sadly like all earthly endeavors rock too must perish oh we mourn the loss of rock and roll with its ridiculously old standard bearers still on tour and charging ungodly amounts of Mad Jack to witness their long past the sell by date asses on stage, and with its chauvinism, misogyny, and whiteness no longer aligning with modern sensibilities, and with its aging, fist shaking fan base kicking every would-be rocker off their proverbial lawn. Rock has indeed passed into the celestial void. May rock rest in peace in eternal cacophonous slumber. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Scott. You are listening to the Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast. The Autopsy.
1: Alright, welcome back. So, we're going to be talking These Boots Were Made for Walking by Nancy Sinatra. The song came out in 1966 and um, well, let me just get through the particulars real quick. Uh, it was um written by Lee Hazelwood. Label was reprised, um, recorded in United Western and Hollywood. Uh, recorded late 1965. Um, but just to give you an idea just how successful this song was it hit number one in the billboard 100 it sold 4 million copies so it easily made gold without even without even a question but just to give you some perspective on the now keep that in mind the song was number one on the on the billboard 100 Here are some other songs that also came out in 1966, just to give you an idea of just how successful this song is. And I'm not going to go through them all, but I'm just going to name some big ones. Like, um, let's see here. We've got uh, Monday, Monday, Mamas and the Papas. We've got uh, The Sounds of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel. We've got Eleanor Rigby by The Beatles, Good Vibrations by The Beach Boys. Um, We Can Work It Out by the Beatles. Reach Out, I'll Be There, The Four Tops. Uh, The theme from The Monkees, which, sorry, was uh, hugely popular. Um, Land of a Thousand Dances. Paint It Black by the Rolling Stones. That's just a small list of songs that came out in 1966, and yet this song hit hit number one on the Billboard uh, uh, 100. So that just kind of gives you an idea for those who don't know how successful this song really was it was huge and uh so yeah we're going to be talking uh some nancy sinatra these boots were made for walking but the real question is did it kill rock thank you very
0: much rico all right gang it's rock and roll autopsy the album is boots the song these boots are made for walking the artist nancy sinatra you're right man we got to find out If she, you hear us, Nancy, did you kill rock and roll? We got to know. How are we going to figure it out? Well, we've got a proprietary scientific method that we use week in and week out. Break it down into five categories. They are gratuitous boomerism, excessive misogyny, wanton whiteness, malignant machismo, and culture vultureism. I give the Rolling Stones a plus one for culture vulturism, by the way. Um, Rico, (laughs) these boots are made for walking. Gratuitous boomerism. Boy, I'm on the edge of my seat with this one. How do you score, sir?
1: Yeah, well, all right. Here's the thing, man. So when we let us and let's keep in mind, if anybody, I just want to, again, for there might be some doubters out there if anybody doubts our scientific method method, just that you've got, we've got 60 some episodes that prove that the science works. Okay. And once again, it'll work tonight. So when we talk about boomerism, we talk about like a frame of mind or a something, something that encapsulates a thought or a style or something that is unrelatable. Now that's relatable, then unrelatable now, I have to go with the obligatory 0.5, obviously. Um, Sorry, Nancy, I know you're listening, but you have to get the obligatory 0.5. However, the subject matter of the song certainly is relatable throughout decades and decades, and even very relatable today. Even the style of music is not completely unrelatable, and we'll get to that. Uh, The only... Of the time portion of the of the entire song that i feel is of the time is the very very end when it gets kind of go-go-ish but that's only like the last 15 20 seconds and it's not enough to bump that 0.5 up to a full one so i'm just going to stick with the 0.5 on this one interesting well
0: i will say rico to the uninformed to the real mentally challenged among us, to the audience out there who listens to us every week and really believes we have something to say, <laughs> they may be thinking, hey, this is an easy one. You're talking about a song from the 1960s. Of course, gratuitous boomerism plus one. Well, you just oh, laid out
1: why contraire. you would give it
0: a point five. correct? Correct, though. What if I told you that Nancy Sinatra was born in 1940 yeah dude you know you know what that does that make nancy sinatra she's a member of joe biden's generation she's a member of the silent generation she predates
1: boomerism that's true and you know what that means don't you once again, for the 50th week in a row, I walked back one of my scores. Wait. I'm going to walk back this one too, because <laughs> I gave, oh, hold on a sec. Hold on. I gave the obligatory 0.5. I didn't look up her birthday because, you know, <laughs> it's inappropriate to know how old females are. Nancy, I didn't want to do it. So I just kind of <laughs> threw caution to the wind on that one. But my, my, uh, my partner here was, was willing to do it. And he, yes thankfully pointed out to me that you are not a boomer so i'm walking back my 0. 0.5 to a she, zero
0: she missed boomerism by five years the boomers started in 1945 but 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 yeah i think i'm gonna score this one a one for gratuitous okay. boomerism because gotta what you gotta do I'm seeing a young lady, a very attractive young lady, might I add, in go go boots uh, surrounded by swinging 60s go go dancers. I mean, let me tell you something, man. When I think of the 60s, I think of boomerism. Yeah, there may be some members of the silent generation in there, but when I think of the 60s, I think of boomerism. I think of Bob Dylan, I think of protest in Vietnam. These boots, by the way, incidentally, a big Vietnam song. The soldiers adopted it in Vietnam. And because it's so closely related, Stanley Kubrick used it in Full Metal Jacket. I mean, it's a Vietnam era song. And when I think Vietnam, I think what? Boomers. Boomers. Right. Boomers, boomers, boomers. So, in spite of the fact that she tried to squeak out of this full one point by five <laughs> years. Oh, Nancy, I'm not going to let it happen. And I know you're listening because you follow <laughs> us on Twitter, us and the other 100,000 people you follow. Do you follow everyone who follows you or is someone operating your account? That would be a very boomer thing to do. All right. I'm going to give you a point one, Nancy.
1: You staying with that uh, point five there, sir? Are you renouncing it? Where are you at? I'm sticking with my I'm rolling back my point five and into a zero because is it Nancy's fault that the culture around her made her song a boomer song? It's not her fault that other people appropriated it into a boomer song. Oh, she was a huge anti-war activist. She was engaged in all the boomer activities of the time. She ain't squeaking out of this one, dude. We still have people in Kent, Ohio picketing every Sunday by the gazebo. So that hasn't changed. All right. Category two <laughs> excessive
0: misogyny. Rico, how do you score? And I've got yeah. lyrics if you need to hear them. Please hit me with some lyrics. You keep saying you got something for me, something you call love, but confess you've been a messin' where you shouldn't have been a messin'. And now, someone else is going to get all your best. These boots are made for walking, and that's just what they'll do. One of these days, these
1: boots are going to walk all over you. Do you need another verse? I'm good. All right. Because, no, I'm good. Clearly, for me, this is a zero because this is revert. This is the absolute opposite. She's fighting back against the misogyny of her cheating man. So i can't make her pay the price for trying to stick up for herself right that's a zero clearly you know this song reminds me of an early
0: what's the song carrie underwood sings where she's like bashing in the guy's headlights maybe um, next time before he cheats something like that is like uh could sure be bay- a louisville slugger and something hit the lights on your car, Carrie Underwood, American. I Idol, didn't know you were song. a Carrie
1: Underwood fan, but I, I, I i don't know. I've, I don't know that song to be honest with it you. It
0: exists. And it's basically, you know, her man's done her wrong. And so she's going to go to town on his car with a baseball bat. You Got know, it. it's not the same. It's kind of a modern walking with boots, sure. right? Sure. Cause it's right. going to be more aggressive. You know, we're going to amp it up a little bit with, with yeah. times. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Excessive misogyny. So, what if I told you, Rico? Are you sitting down? I'm firmly seated. Right. What if I told you that the gentleman who wrote this song, Lee Hazelwood, with all these lyrics, these lyrics about wearing boots and walking, walking all over, you keep lying when you ought to be truthing and you keep losing when you ought to not bet? What if I told you he? intended to sing the song himself and said that it's not really a girl's song. And Sinatra had to talk him out of it saying, and I quote from Wikipedia and we all know how accurate this is. <laughs> You're right. Sinatra talked him out of it saying that coming from a guy, it was harsh and abusive, but was perfect for a little girl to sing. Hazelwood, a dude meant to sing this song it had to be explained to him with some woman-splaining, mind you, that it would sound a little
1: rough coming from and, him with these And words let me tell coming. you, when Frank makes a suggestion, you better take that suggestion.
0: <laughs> I got a feeling this Hazelwood guy did whatever the hell Mr. Sinatra told him to do because Sinatra had the backing of beep. All right, we'll leave that out. We won't put that to wax. <laughs> you know
1: what I'm saying. Exactly. Well, but... Sure. And that is that is very true that he intended on singing the song, but he didn't Nancy Sinatra sang it. And it has a completely different vibe coming from her than it does if it would have came from him. I'm going to give it a point
0: five because I got to say, you're right. It does coming from her have a different vibe, but it was written by him with his every intent to sing until he was talked out of it. You know, like, you might lose a pinky or something if you don't, like, let my daughter record this song. You know what I'm saying.
1: Uh, Allegedly.
0: Allegedly, reportedly. (laughs) Let's move on to an interesting (laughs) category. Category three, wanton whiteness. Rico, how do you score?
1: Yeah, this is a tough one. Um, If you... All right, so let's let's break this down in, into my nerdy brain. I'm gonna break this down in one hand. I'm gonna hold the lyrics in my one hand and I'm gonna hold the music in my other hand. Now the lyrics are we've t- we talked about it already. she's she's sticking up for herself against her cheating man, right. Um, that's universal. Uh, there's there's nothing specifically white about that. Um, so that would lean me more towards zero. However, the music itself is kind of a, I don't know if you get this vibe or not. When I, it's been, it, it had been a while since I listened to this song. So when I dialed it up the first few times, I'm like, you know what? This, with the exception of the very, very end, when it gets really go-go-y at the very end, 98% of the song has this kind of like, rockabilly kind of country rockabilly feel to it, right? Do you get that yes, vibe too? Yes, okay. exactly. And so that in that time period rockabilly style music, that's kind of even though the foundations of it came from old blues, you know, which which is definitely not white. The music and and the fact that she's singing it is really white to me. So I've got to, I've got to give this, I got to go with the 0.5. I'm not ready to give it a full one because the subject matter is super universal, but the music styling and her singing it kind of dials it back a little bit. So I got to do a 0.5 on this one.
0: Yeah. Now, once again, I'll, I'll turn to our modern encyclopedia, a Wikipedia Who genrefies this song. I'm making up words now, uh, as pop, go, go, and hold on to your seats, folk rock. <laughs> I- I'm not sure what that is, but uh okay. Describe I'm- it as a funky, slow shuffling folk rocker about a gal who serves notice on her boyfriend that she can't be pushed around. Yeah, man. Um I don't know, dude. What's well, in whiteness? Boy, two weeks in a row, I've struggled with this one a little bit. Um, Yeah, so, and to go back to your Western thing, the song written by Lee Hazelwood, I'm just reading from Wiki now, so any yep. idiots listening to this could just do it themselves, but I'm going to totally uh... assault your intelligence. The song was written by Lee Hazelwood. It was inspired by a line spoken by Frank Sinatra in the comedy Western Four for texas mm-hmm. they tell me them boots ain't built for walking so there's your western influence there's things. your
1: western rockabilly country thing
0: so hold on a second hold on i smell western i smell texas i've seen the word folk smells like a 0. 0.5 to me rico
1: yep uh, that's 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 where i am too so i agree with your score
0: Before we get too far, um, I just brought up the lyrics to the Carrie Underwood song that I was butchering. Um, The devotion to accuracy department is going to be all over my ass if I don't get this nailed down right. Certainly. The chorus goes, let's see. That I dug my key into the side of his pretty little souped-up four-wheel drive, carved my name into his leather seats. I took a Louisville slugger to both headlights. I slashed a hole in all four tires. Maybe next time he'll think before he
1: cheats. That's a little extreme, don't you think? Well, isn't that special? <laughs> I mean she I mean, you know, they do have people out there that she could talk to instead of taking such extreme measures like that. Yeah, it's a little rough. Um it's a little rough. That's a little heavy-handed, don't you think?
0: I would give a little- that a, a one for malignant machismo. But for Nancy Sinatra, for sure. we'll move on. Category four, Rico, malignant machismo. How do you score these boots are made
1: for walking, sir? Yeah, I mean, I can't uh, so for us. Malignant machismo isn't necessarily a negative thing, it could be, but it isn't necessarily a negative thing. So this song, she's she this is a, a scorned woman who has a man who has done her wrong, and she's finally sticking up for herself, and she says, These boots are gonna walk all over you. That is certainly some macho shit right there but not in a bad way. I'm proud of her for sticking up for herself. However, it's not like full on, like Morrison machismo, or she's certainly not Hetfield stance by no means. Right. So I feel like I got to give her a 0.5 for machismo on this. And let's, let's be real here. When you see the video with the
0: go, go dancers and her <laughs> and the short shorts, um, with the boots. <laughs> I know. It doesn't really come off as threatening. In fact, I'd venture to guess that most dudes would kind of be into her walking on them with boots, right? Certainly. Most dudes would kind of be like, yeah, go for it, and, and I'll eat the corn out of your shit, too. What else can I do for you, Nancy? So oh. I <laughs> Hey, so I think dudes won't mind one bit, right? Oh, um, well, certainly, you know, Nancy certainly was easy on the eyes. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, so malignant machismo. Yeah, I mean, it's again. Yeah, I mean, there is a strut to the song. Um,
1: a little swagger. She even, she even throw like later in the song. She even throws in like a eh, like she that. Was, ha! Yeah. Yeah. So right. that right there, I think that ha, is what gets her the point five in it, my book. It's almost Hetfieldian. It's close. Not a full, not a full on Hetfield stance, but there's hints of James in that little head You know what I'm saying? Ha. She didn't break out the full "ooh
0: yeah yeah."
1: <laughs> Could you imagine
0: if someone <laughs> would have done that in 1965? <laughs> the world would have like fell in upon itself.
1: Uh, it would have imploded on itself. <laughs> That would have been the best thing ever. <laughs> uh, I'm, just, I'm, vi- I'm visualizing her doing that, and it's just amazing. Yeah. Could you imagine
0: um, in the go go boots and it's like singing, you know, these boots, and she just breaks into a yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that where music, deep. you know, every week we ponder why rock and roll is dead. <laughs> we, we chronicle its de evolution from. these (laughs) boots and the ha to the 1991
1: black album era oh yeah yeah (laughs) can can you all see the connection that we're making here (laughs) (laughs) oh my god Ah, hilarious hilarious. I'm
0: gonna give it a 0.5 only because it allowed me to be stupid for a few minutes um nice nice yeah (laughs) Yeah. Ooh, Ooh. Yeah. Um category five. These boots are made for walking. We're completely off the rails now. Let's get this thing totally. reeled back in here a little bit. The science isn't gonna work if I'm not taking it seriously. Um right. the category is culture vulturism. Rico, how do you score?
1: Um, you know, in if you if you think about all that and the, the list of songs that i gave you before that came out in the same year was just obviously just a partial list but i just picked out some of the more well-known ones so if you listen to this one in comparison to some of those other songs that i named like good vibrations painted black eleanor rigby yada etc etc this or sandman <laughs> enter sandman Ooh, um yeah rain and blood um <laughs> this song sounds and the style of the song sounds nothing like any of the other ones it's completely yes. unique Yeah, it, it's got this western rockabilly thing going on and then at the end it just totally switches up into this go-go fast-paced thing at the end to kind of take the climax down or this is a completely unique song that's why it's withstood the time this song, uh, cult pop culture, and from a pop culture standpoint, this song certainly is fully ensconced in the annals of time with regard to music because it's so unique. So, this is a big fat zero for me,
0: yeah. And we got to, um, you got to let me spit some more Wikipedia factoids here before I score it. You you talked about the music, the bass line, the groove, it doesn't sound like anything else at that time. It is unique. I would not penalize it for culture vulturism but the musicians this is the wrecking crew yo so i mean we know of them they play on everything and they're on this track as well so shout out to the wrecking crew in pop culture already referenced it in stanley kubrick's full metal jacket uh juliette lewis sings it natural born killers it's in austin powers international man of mystery it's on family guy it's in the uh 2001 film the mexican with brad pitt and a pretty
1: woman i forget her fucking name it's been covered a few times by a couple of different artists i mean
0: most famously, um, covered by Megadeth on their debut album, and Dave Mustaine and Lee Hazelwood got into a pissing match over it because Dave changed the lyrics to this. You keep saying you got something for me, something you call love, but I call sex. You've been kissing when he ought to be screwing, and now someone else can kiss your ass. So Dave kind of he tweaked the lyrics a little <laughs> bit, and then Lee Underwood made him pull it off the record. He got all pissed about it. But, um, you know, it's rock and roll, right? Rico, I'm gonna score it a zero for culture vulturism. Nicely done. All right, you ready to tally this mug up and try to figure out if our friend on Twitter killed rock and roll?
1: I yes, let's tally, let's use our highly um technical math skills to add these scores together. I've got uh I've got a total of one full point.
0: Well. And I've got a total of 2.5. And what does that give us, Rico? 2.5 plus 1 is
1: 3.5. Which means? Definitely didn't kill Rock. The science works. Once again, it certainly does. Um, As it should. The song, for all the reasons that you just mentioned, contributed to music. It was such, such a pop culture flag if you will everybody knows this song all ages it everybody has fun with it it's a great song i love it um did you notice this is one thing i want to ask you when you're listening to the song and i think this is one of the coolest parts about this song you notice that each chorus kind of builds on the or each verse kind of builds on the previous one yes
0: yes yep
1: i love that it's very more intense yeah it's very subtle and if you're not really paying attention you could possibly miss it so each each verse they kind of throw in a little bit more instrumentation and the music kind of builds and builds and builds till you get to the big climax at the end i love that part of that song i love it
0: yeah i mean listen let's be honest the whole reason, what typically was Nancy Sinatra, these boots on our master list of songs. We're gonna <laughs> autopsy. No, no, we got a follow from Nancy Sinatra on Twitter because I followed her, and whoever runs her account is just follows everybody back. Maybe it's really her. I somehow doubt it, and we just basically wanted to troll Nancy Sinatra
1: because so- of mature men. Right. So let's just, so we're just pulling back the curtain a tad. So, it, it, ha, had Nancy not followed us, the song probably wouldn't be on our list, but it's still a great song. It's still and, a great song.
0: And I'll tell you what, I pulled it up on Spotify and her music just started kind of playing afterwards. And I'm like, yeah. holy shit, her shit's all really good. So, it is. Bang
1: Bang is another really yes. fa- famous song of hers. Yeah. Um, great shit. And so, when I said could be the first Girl Power song, this song actually, and I mentioned this to you before, this song predated Respect by Aretha Franklin by a whole year. Whoa. So this song, in my opinion, which is why it belongs on this podcast, because it's the first girl power song.
0: Love it, man. Great tidbit. I think, though, we better wrap because I know Nancy is listening and Matt Lock is going to be on shortly. And she just <laughs> heated up a bowl of cream corn. So we're going to let it go at that. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Rock and Roll Autopsy. Good night, Matt.
1: Let me have that special rock and roll music. Yeah! Let me tell you, so the lyrics to real rock music is nothing more than satanic cyanide. Get it out of
0: your house, throw it out, and burn it. It has no place in the house of the
1: righteous. Guys, it was like a mistake. There's
0: no mistake anymore. To the door. Love it hey, to the I'm gone. <laughs> I'm gone.
1: Follow us on Twitter at RNR Autopsy, or you can send an email to rock at gmail.com and if we run across anything good. We'll mention it in a future episode. Thanks for listening. Later. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man.